0: Judges chapter 8, verse 22, we're going to kind of finish up uh, with the story of Gideon here tonight, Lord willing, just a few verses, just kind of uh, close it off. We've been talking about Gideon for a while in three chapters here. Uh, We also will have a a pretty long uh, description of Samson when we get to Samson in a few chapters, but Gideon uh, has been the longest section we've seen so far. We've had a lot of details on what happened here with the Midianites and with Gideon. But we'll close it up tonight, Lord willing. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that you bless them as we read them. I pray that you would just help me, dear Lord, to do a good job to to teach your people and to preach, dear Lord, and to, to, to help them understand your word as best I can. But more importantly, dear Lord, let the Holy Spirit help us to understand and uh, get something from what we read tonight and every night. And I pray that you just be with us in this service, dear Lord, as we just kind of kind of sad, God, I think, because of everything that went on. God, just the, the people that were affected, I pray that you would take care of the ones affected by the storm. And God, just help us to be able to help in some way if we can. And I pray that you just uh, give us a good night tonight. And we thank you for being good, dear Lord, even in tough times like this. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Judges chapter 8. A little recap, at the last we read last week, we saw that Gideon and the rest of the Israelites, the tribes that had come to their aid, they were finally able to overtake the Midianite kings. We had seen a few verses back that they were able to overtake a couple of the princes. They were able to overtake the kings and Gideon had delivered Israel from their enemies that had oppressed them for so long. And so that's where we pick up tonight in verse 22. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you as well as your sons and your grandsons, for you delivered us from the power of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Now the Israelites did something that we want to make sure that we are not guilty of. Now there are people that we encounter in our lives that we may see God use in a mighty way, that we may see God used to deliver people or to work miracles. It could be men. It could be women. And sometimes when we see God using certain people in a mighty way, we may be tempted to follow them maybe a little too closely. Now, there's nothing wrong with us wanting to follow and listen to and grow from uh, brothers or sisters in Christ that God may be working through. That's a good thing. But the, the 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 balance can kind of tip sometimes and we begin to be more focused on the worker than the one who is really doing the work and that's kind of what the Israelites were doing here and there have been many people I, I, I fear throughout uh, history and some more I'm sure uh, that that kind of get caught up with a with a certain leader who may be doing certain things or may be very charismatic and they begin to put so much focus on the leader that they're not really seeking the Lord and what the Lord's will is or what the Holy Spirit Spirit's guidance may be, and in some cases they are led astray. Now, here in this case, we see the people of Israel and they are excited. They have been delivered from the Midianites, as well they should be. And so they go to Gideon, all right, we want to make you our king. We want to make you our, our leader because you delivered us from the Midianites. Now that was their first mistake that we see there at the end of verse 22 because it said you delivered us from the power of Midian, but it wasn't really Gideon, was it, that delivered them from the power of Midian? It was the Lord who delivered them. Now the Lord had called Gideon to kind of to kind of lead the, uh, the, the, the the surge that was going to go in to begin to drive out the Midianites, but it was the Lord who was really doing the work. It always is the Lord who is doing the work. And all of the stories before this we've seen in the Old Testament and everything we see after this in the Bible as well in our life when powerful things are done when miracles take place when God delivers people it's always the Lord who is behind it he is the one who is doing the work now sometimes he does call us sometimes he calls people to be part of things that he's doing to lead the charge or to or to do something and he works through people but it's always the Lord who should be praised when things are done and not the people. We don't boast in ourselves, we boast in the Lord. Uh, Whether that's on a personal level, whether that's on a a church-wide level, if there's something that God does through us, it's not us, it's God. We are here, we're serving God. Sometimes he uses us, uh, maybe not quite as mightily as, as he used Gideon, but maybe so. Who's not to say that making 1,500 shoeboxes is a is a lesser cause than Gideon delivering the Israelites? There are lots of causes and lots of things that God uses lots of brothers and sisters in Christ and lots of churches to do. And some may seem bigger or smaller than others, but in the grand scheme of things, hopefully everything we do as Christians and as churches, as bodies of believers, everything we do is all for the kingdom of God, no matter how big or how small it may be. It's not so that we can boast, it's so that we can boast in the Lord because it's the same God who is behind the great work that is done here, that is done there, that is done in this country, or that is done in another country. And here Gideon, uh, by the power of the Lord, has delivered the Israelites and they are wanting to give the praise to Gideon. They are wanting to make him their king. King. We're going to make you our king. We want, to, we want you to lead us. We want you to be our leader. But Gideon knew that that was not to be the case, that that's not what the Lord uh, wanted, wanted of them. And Gideon had the right response in verse 23 when he said, I will not rule over you and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Now, Gideon put them in their place. He said, Look, the Lord is the one who you need to be, who you need to be turned to here. He's the one who you need to follow. He's your leader. And the same is true for us. Now, we may have leaders in our world today that may be pastors or that may be leaders in some sense in the church or or, or whatever we may have, things that we may have going on. And, And God established that there are to be leaders, but ultimately, we don't follow A leader of a church per se, we follow the Lord. He is the head of the church. Any pastor of a church is simply a servant of the Lord, as we all are. And so we have leaders in our structures and in our churches and in the way things are today, and that's the way it's supposed to be based on scripture, but it's God who is ultimately in control. He is the one who empowers people. He is the one who leads people. He is the one who directs our paths. He is the one who makes things come to be. He is the one who takes care of us, and he is the one who provides for us in all that we do. And Gideon pointed that out. The Lord will rule over you. And the Lord is who is leading us and who is ruling over us. And that is who we seek as a church. That is what we seek to do, to do God's will. Not your will, not my will, but hopefully we are all seeking to do God's will. Let's read a little further. Verse 24. Then he said to them, let me make a request of you. Everyone give me an earring from his plunder. Now the enemy had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So Gideon, while he does speak well of the Lord in the right way there at the first verse, he makes a little bit of a mistake here. I say a little bit of a mistake. I guess you could call it a sin. I'm not really sure what Gideon's heart was as we read on a little further, but he begins to do something in these verses Uh, that is going to be bad for the people of Israel as we read on down. Now, he tells them to take the plunder that they got. Now, remember, the Midianites were great people. They They were numerous people. We've seen that through the text already. And they had gathered their gold earrings that said that they had them because they were Ishmaelites. Now, that may kind of throw up a red flag because we haven't been reading about the Ishmaelites, have we? We've been reading about the Midianites. So who are the Ishmaelites and what do they have to do with with all of this that is going on? Because we see this phrase kind of interchange, Midianites, Ishmaelites, and then Midianites again referred to later on. So what are we to make of Ishmaelites? Well, some would say, well, this is a contradiction, uh, that that this is, is talking about two different people, that this shouldn't be here, but I don't think that that is the case, one, because I don't think the Bible contradicts itself, and because I think we have evidence to tell us otherwise previously in Scripture. If you want to turn to Genesis, you can. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. You may have heard of this story before. Uh, There was a guy by the name of Joseph. His brothers were jealous of him, and they decided to sell him into slavery. He ended up going to Egypt and being second in command under Pharaoh. And you may remember Joseph from the beginning of the study of Exodus when we studied through that. That's just a brief overview of the story, but you can read it for yourself if you would like in Genesis 37. But tonight we're just going to look at a couple things to help us understand the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 27... This is Joseph's brothers here. It says, Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, for our own flesh. And they agreed. When Midianite traders passed by, his brother pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. Now, we see the same two things there that we see uh, in Judges, right? We see the term Ishmaelites and Midianites Interchangeable. In those couple of verses, we see it kind of go back and forth in the same way that we do in Judges. Then again, at the end of the chapter in verse 36, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an offer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. So, who was it? It was the Midianites who had Joseph and sold him to the Egyptians. Now, turn over a couple of pages in your Bible to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Kind of a recount of what we just saw at the end of 37, but let's see what it says here. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt, and an Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and the captain of the guard, brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. So we see these two phrases, the Ishmaelites and the Midianites, and we see them used kind of interchangeably here in Judges, and we also see the same phrases used interchangeably in the book of Genesis. So there's a couple of ways that we make a take this. It's possible that the Ishmaelites and the Midianites were so close that they just kinda were one. Even though they did have uh, come from different family lines, they descended from different people, uh, one from, uh, from one side and one from the other side. Even though they were different people, they may have been very closely related. Therefore, they're just kind of interchangeable because they're always together. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is it's possible that maybe the, the Midianites were a, were a small group that were part of the Ishmaelite tribe or vice versa. Maybe there were some of both and one was the main group and, and there was another that was, that was a, a, a sub part of that group. Uh, you make it say uh, there, are, there are Yankees, there are Southerners and there are Americans. Well, those may sound like three different groups uh but really they're all Americans, even though some may say, Well that's the Yankees, oh that's those that's those Southerners. At the end of it all, they're all Americans and that may be similar to what's taking place here with the Midianites and Ishmaelites. Uh, Regardless, I don't think it's a big issue. It's not a, a contradictory issue, I don't believe. I think that these two groups probably, at the very least, were very closely related. They were probably together, and therefore we see these terms that are interchangeable. So Gideon tells them to gather the earrings of these Ishmaelites, and then he tells them what to do in verse 25. They said, we agree to give them so they spread out a mantle, and everyone threw an earring from his plunder on it. The weight of the gold earrings he requested was about 43 pounds of gold, in addition to the crescent ornaments and ear pendants, the purple garments on the kings of Midian, and the chains on the necks of their camels. Now, it sounds like that just the weight of the earrings by themselves there was 43 pounds, although I suppose it could be saying that all of it together was 43 pounds, but it sounds to me, and I could be wrong, that it's saying just the weight of the earrings are 43 pounds. Regardless, there's a lot of gold that is there. Uh, There's a lot of fine things that are there that were the plunder of them overtaking the uh, the Ishmaelites, the Midianites. And so they spread out this mantle, and everybody began to toss these earrings and all of these spoils that they had received from the Midianites onto the pile. Let's see what Gideon is going to do with these things now. Verse 27, Gideon made an ephod from all all this and put it in Ophrah, his hometown. Then all Israel prostituted themselves with it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his household. Now, an ephod would have been like a priestly garment. It would have been this fine garment that uh, the priest would wear or a leader would wear. And this is what Gideon did. He took all of these fine uh, uh, spoils that they got from the Midianites, and he made himself in ephod now it was placed in ophrah his hometown that we were introduced to at the very beginning of the story that's where gideon was uh, when we first started reading about him so he's back here in his hometown or the story i should say has brought us back here to his hometown And he's made this ephod, and the people of Israel uh, begin to to worship, begin to idolize this ephod that he's made. Now, it doesn't tell us if Gideon is wearing this ephod. It doesn't tell us if he's just got it on display. Uh, We don't know if they're worshiping Gideon himself. I guess that's a possibility since they were pretty gung-ho to anoint him as king. uh, Perhaps they were still trying to worship him. Maybe he was wearing the ephod and he was allowing that to take place. Although that doesn't seem too likely based on his response to him earlier. But it is a possibility. Uh, it's a possibility that he made this fine ephod and he put it on display. And because it was something Gideon made, obviously the people thought a little too highly of Gideon. And they began, it says in the text, to uh, prostitute themselves with it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and his household. So the problem that the Israelites had throughout the book of Judges. The, the battle just ended. It hasn't been much time, and they're already going back to their old ways. Now, they should, at this time, be praising the Lord. They should be saying, Thank you, God, for delivering us. God, thank you for sending Gideon as our deliverer, but God, thank you for doing the work, for taking us from our oppressive enemies. Thank you, God, for looking out for us, but instead... Here they are, uh, in some form of worship, uh, drawn to this ephod and paying way too much attention to it, something made by human hands, something that is not a god at all. Uh, We as human beings may have a tendency to do that, put too much emphasis on people, put too much emphasis on things, when our emphasis should be on the Lord, when our security, when our comfort, when our safety, when our deliverance, when our guidance, all of those things should come from the Lord. And it had come from the Lord in the story of the Israelites. And just this quickly, they are already wanting to turn to Gideon. And now they are turning to this ephod that Gideon had prepared. Uh, Now, why Gideon did this, I don't know. Maybe he was a little proud. The text really doesn't tell us what his motivations were. But this was not a good thing that he did because it was leading the Israelites astray already just in this short period of time after they had been delivered From their enemy, and it became a snare, it said, to Gideon and his household. Verse 28. So Gideon was subdued before the Israelites, excuse me. So Midian was subdued before the Israelites, and they were no longer a threat. The land was peaceful 40 years during the days of Gideon. Now, This idea of the land being peaceful for 40 years or for 20 years or for 80 years or whatever we see, there's kind of varying number of years that we see throughout the book of Judges. Uh, There's a couple of ways that we could take these numbers when we talk about the years here. It could be speaking literally. It could be that they were peaceful for exactly 40 years time or 80 years time or 20 years time depending on which judge we're looking at. It could be a number that we take literally. And that might be right to do so. Uh, It could also be symbolic. Since 40 years is the number of a generation, uh, the writer could be trying to get the point across that for a generation, the land was at peace. Now that makes sense too. There's no real trouble there for me to imagine that that could be what the author is saying. And so when it says 80 years, in some instances, he could be saying for two generations, the people were good. Or when it says 20 years, he could be trying to make the point that for a half a generation, the people were good. But it was for a little while, ultimately for a little while, whether it was a specific amount of time, whether it was for uh, just generally speaking, there was only a little while that the people remained faithful to the Lord, and then they went back to their old ways. But for 40 years here, there was peace in the land. Now, that's really what we all long for in this world today. I believe there are probably very few people in the world who don't long for peace. I may be wrong. There may be a bunch of people who don't. But I would venture to say that the majority of people in the world, at least, really long for there to be peace. And that's what the Israelites wanted. They wanted there to be peace. And God would send these judges to them who would bring them peace for a little while, but then sin would creep back in then idolatry would begin to creep back in. And here we see this cycle where the judges come and they're faithful for a little while and then they turn back. And we see the same thing with the kings. We see some good kings come that lead Israel on the right path, that keep them walking right and being obedient to God. And then we see other kings that are just bad kings that lead Israel down the wrong path. And so we see this judge, we see with judges, we see with kings. And what God wants is to have somebody who's going to rule over the people, who's going to deliver the people and he was going to bring peace to the people. But in this sinful world, uh, with sinful human beings, this cycle remains. Now, when it says here they had 40 years of peace, that was a great thing because I would venture to say that we all enjoy seasons of our life where we are in peace. There are times in life where we are in seasons that we are not at peace. Maybe because of things that are going on, uh, things that are worries of the world or stresses, uh, maybe even sin that's in our life. There there are many things that may cause us to not have peace in our life. But boy, I'm going to tell you what, there is nothing better to me and maybe to you too than when you are at peace. Even if things aren't going well, if you feel like you've done the right thing, if you feel like you've done what God called you to do and led you to do and you've been obedient, Boy, when you can lay down and sleep peacefully at night, even when everything else around you may be falling apart, there is something to be said about being at peace. And that's what God wants for his people. That's what he wanted then. He wants us to be at peace, but ultimately that peace is going to come, not in this life, but in the life to come. And where the judges and the kings of the Old Testament failed his people, there's one judge and king, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who did not fail. And he is coming one day, and he is going to be a righteous judge, and he is going to be a good king, and he is going to be, as Isaiah tells us, the prince of peace. And that's the peace that we're looking forward to. We see this peace that the Israelites had, but it was a short-lived peace, just like the peace that you and I have. Now, we have peace when we're obedient to the Lord, but boy, that sin always seems to come. That stress always seems to come. That struggle always seems to come. But we should, and hopefully we do, look forward to the day when the judge and the King Jesus Christ is going to come and bring peace on earth for all of eternity. Not just for one generation or two generation, but for an eternal generation. Verse 30 or excuse me, verse 29, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, son of Joash, went back to live at his house. Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, since he had many wives. His concubines, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he named him Abimelech. Then Gideon, son of Joash, died at a ripe old age and was buried in the tomb of his father, Joash, in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. When Gideon died, the Israelites Turned and prostituted themselves with the Baals, and made Baal Bareth their God. The Israelites did not remember the their Lord excuse me. The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the power of the enemies around them. They did not show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, for all the good he had done. The Israelites did one thing continually that we see through the book. They did not remember the Lord. And all he had done. Let us not be guilty of the same mistake. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these words and this story of Gideon. And God, I pray that we learn something uh, from, from this story. And I pray that you would help us to, to have faith, dear Lord. And even when we may be like Gideon and a little hesitant to act, that we would just, you'd be patient with us and we would, and God, you'd still use us to do what you call us to do. God, I pray that whatever we come up against, we don't question uh, whatever it is, but we trust you uh, and, and know that you're going to get us through it, dear Lord, if you called us to it. And I pray, God, that, that you would help us to not be proud and not boast in ourself, uh, but to be faithful to give you the glory in all that we do. And God, look forward to that peace that comes through Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some in this room tonight that need that peace now. And I pray, God, that they would just feel it, that they would come to you. If there's sin in their life, that they would repent. If there's worry in their life, dear Lord, that they'd give it to you. And I pray that you just would uh, bring peace on them, dear Lord, that you would help them to feel that and find joy and comfort in you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.